This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is Stacking the Box with NFL insider Matt Berteram and Mark Carmen. Hey, 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 it's the final Stacking the Box for 2021. You're right, Gonzo the Beast. It is about damn time we got this going here. We apologize uh, for the later than usual start, but with all things ready to roll vertical, you're back home, I see. How was your trip? It was good. It was good. It was nice to get home, see everybody. Uh, you know, I spent, I think, five days back in New York and then drove back on Monday. So it's good to be here. Glad to get into it. Week 17, which normally would be the end of the year. But we got, we got two weeks left. So let's, uh, you know, let's get after it. We're, we're, all right, let's get after it. We're starting with the Green Bay Packers, who seemingly is now everyone's pick to win the NFC. And let me just underline this, Verderam. Because uh, I, I, I'm going to go with some deep analysis to start the broadcast here, okay? Uh, did they beat the Browns convincingly? No, they did not. They're very lucky. Did they beat – very lucky, right? Did they beat the Ravens convincingly without Lamar Jackson? Uh, no. Again, very lucky they won the game. Very lucky they won the game. Were they losing to the pathetic Bears? They they were, largely because their special teams is a wreck, but yes, well, right, but we have three parts of football, right? We okay, do. okay. So those are their last three games. Now, granted, they're twelve and three. So I just want to listen. I, I, if I had to pick a team, I would pick Green Bay. But I think we got to look at this. Like Green Bay is about to do. I think it's a fair take what they've always done, which is get in the playoffs, look like they can win the Super Bowl, and come up short because of some. Weird decision like last year taking the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands or they're not able to play complementary football that everyone talks about. I, I I think buyer beware on the Packers right now is where I'm at. I like the Packers a lot. <clears throat> and for much of the year, I thought they were the best team in football. I am starting to shift a little bit. I think Kansas City recently has played so lights out that I, I now think they are, and I haven't really most of the year. Um if I was Green Bay, I'd be a little concerned. Their defense lately is starting to take on water. Now, Micah Jair Alexander back here healthy soon to be big, Zedarius Smith perhaps. But you can't get torched by Tyler Huntley. You can't. You, you, you can't. If Baker doesn't throw four picks, like, they lose going away in that game. They, hell, if Stefanski has enough of a brain to just run the ball at the end of the game. They, they probably lose. I mean, Chubb was ripping off 10 yards of carry. So I I like the Packers, and I'm with you. If I had to pick a team, also largely because I only think they're going to have to play two games to get there, I would pick them. But you brought up a very good point, and I've been thinking about this. Like, I don't always believe that the past is going to indicate what's happening, you know, in the future and whatnot. But I, I do think Rodgers, since he's won that Super Bowl, which is now 11 years ago, there's a long history of them getting in the playoffs, 15-1, and don't win a playoff game. NFC title games against Seattle, against San Francisco, against Atlanta, like they just, Tampa Bay last year. Come up short. They come up short in these games. Like a couple of those games they flat out should have won, and they find ways to lose. So I like them, I do, but there's real concern. You just 
you know, underlining their struggles in the championship game, I just want to give a shout out to uh, the NFL's all-time great and and John Madden passing away this week, 85 years old, um, who lost a bunch in AFC title games before his Raiders got it done in '76 in Super Bowl XI. Uh, before he retired two years later and became the most iconic broadcaster in the history of the NFL. Uh, we all have different Madden memories and Madden gaming and everything. But for, for me, CBS, 3 o'clock. Here's how I was. Here's my, here's my kid football, Verham. I know you want to hear this today. 11, 11 a.m. was the Mike Ditka show, which was like must-watch TV. 11.30 was the NFL Today with Brent Musburger saying, you're looking live and an, give me an Irv Cross and – Give me a Jimmy the Greek before things went sideways for him. Noon kickoff for the Bears. Back in the day, it was like 99% of the time it was noon or Monday night football or an occasional Thursday night in Minnesota, which was maybe the greatest game in Bears history when McMahon came off the bench. I'll stop talking in a second here. And then it was the the 3 o'clock game. Summerall, Madden, dark, snowy, and that – was football man i mean it just like it brings a smile to my face even thinking about it. it it was the greatest and of course he went on to do every other network and work with al michaels and all that but john madden was the best i'm, I'm saying what everyone's saying no listen he, he deserves uh, a ton of a ton of credit for the league being where it is uh i've been on the radio all week and i've been saying that look i, I think and i said this on the aerodactic podcast as well actually along with ed and steve sable he is the most influential and important person in the nfl in the last 60 years he between the video games and, and bringing in that genre and all the all the fans that have come from that to what a great coach he was. I mean, people don't realize how great of a coach he was. Like of any coach with a hundred plus wins, he has the best winning percentage of all time. Um, and and also of course the broadcasting and you know I, you know everyone who listens to this knows so much. I love the history of it. But when I was a kid, I mean, yeah, I thought of him because of the video games. But I thought about him because of the broadcasting. You know, I mean, I, I, the first year I remember watching football was 93, which was the last year that the NBC package was on CBS. So whenever I think of the NBC, I think of it on Fox, even though really for, forever it was on CBS. Um, but yeah, I mean, whenever I think of my childhood and I think of the Cowboys and the 49ers, or I think of the Packers in a big game, it was them. It was, and it was just such a great combination because Summerall was so incredibly understated. And Madden, of course, you know, there's all, you know, boom, we're going to hit him there. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And he's got the telestrator out. Like, when I think of when I think of them, I think of a lot of games at Lambeau and, and like I said, Dallas, San Francisco. And you think of, you know, Aikman, Irvin, touchdown, Dallas. And then, like, that was it at a summer all. And then Madden would go off for two minutes about, you know, how it all happened. It was it was uh, poetry with football. Summerall's voice, just the greatest. Um, and again, oh, I I pulled I pulled out one just I figured because when I was reading all the stuff on Madden, I figured you could just take us through his Oakland history. Vernon, tell people about the Sea of Hands game. Do you know that one? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, he took the job after they lost Super Bowl two. Um, he became the coach. Because John Roush left to go be the head coach of the Buffalo Bills. And so he took over. He was like 32 years old. And Madden went to AFC Championship game after AFC Championship game and lost. But that, the, the game you're referencing, the Sea of Hands game, that was 1974. And they 
were in a divisional game against Miami. And by the way, that game was referenced as Super Bowl eight and a half in Sports Illustrated because it, everybody thought whoever won that game was going to win. The Dolphins are two-time defending champions. They went to Oakland. And that's the famous game where Stabler is getting tackled and he throws the ball and Clarence Davis catches the ball between like four Dolphins in the end zone and they win. Um, and then they actually, the following week, they ended up losing to Pittsburgh and a very big upset and that kind of launched the Steelers dynasty. But um, look, Madden, you mentioned the AFC title games. I mean, you're not kidding. They lost. The Raiders lost the AFC championship game or the AFL championship game in 68, 69, 70. Then they lost it in 70, 73, 74, 75. And they finally won in 76. And then lost it again in 77. Well, think about the, the run of dominance. That was during an age when you had Shula's Dolphins and Knowles Steelers. And they win the AFC Championship game every year. Like that, That's what you're talking about when you talk about a great coach. See your hands, the immaculate reception, which I think everybody knows with Franco Harris. There's the Heidi game, the ghost of the post, the holy roller, um, which, Matt, if you – if you things I love about Matt Verderam, number one is his cute little adorable face that you're looking at right now. Number two is his knowledge of NFL history, uh, along with his hot takes on, on the Chiefs uh, by the moment, week by week. But, all right, um, John Madden, you're the best. We, we needed to touch on that for a second here. Yep. I, I let me let me throw out one more thing about um, that's t- to me plays around the Packers right now, uh, and we mentioned the Ravens game. The the okay, and, and you, Tyler Huntley started in that game, and then last week it was Josh Johnson going twenty eight right. of forty for three hundred and four yards and a Ravens loss to the Bengals. I'm not sure who's going to be getting head coaching jobs in Jacksonville and seemingly in Chicago and in, in Las Vegas. And people go back and forth about Greg Roman. But what he's been able to do with keeping their offense with who's ever at quarterback moving forward, I think it's pretty damn impressive. It is. That's a great call. Um, Roman was a guy who I thought the year after Jackson won MVP he was going to get a job somewhere. And then he didn't. He didn't really even come that, all that close. He also did this with Kaepernick with the Niners. Yeah. You know, where everybody's like, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. And they just rolled to the Super Bowl. Like, it worked. I will say, and, and I don't want to take a left turn here from what we're doing. I know we're going to have Ben Heisler come on here in a minute, help us break down the lines coming on a little earlier this week. Um, does it concern you at all, just a little bit if you're the Ravens, that Tyler Huntley came in and was like, just as good, and then – Josh Johnson, who's literally been on like 14 NFL teams, shows up and just immediately has like the best passing day of the season for them. Like I I'm not saying, but I'm kind of just saying. Like it's just I don't I don't know. I don't think it matters. I really don't. Like I genuinely don't in the in the end. But it did kind of like I was watching that game against the Packers, and I was like, "Man, like, do they even miss Lamar in this game?" If, if you want to make an argument, if you want to make an argument against Lamar, it's it's a decent one. Hey, man, whoever steps in there to quarterback the Ravens, I don't know, they have success. Maybe Lamar's not all that, but then you look at Lamar and the ridiculous plays that he makes on the right. field, and, and right. literally nobody else in the NFL can do that. So, and maybe that's where they- I come down on it. But yeah. it it is just interesting, and that I think really more to your point, it's really more about Roman than it is Lamar, right? Like. I think it's more about that than anything else. And look, I'm I'm just staring at you, Chicago Bears. Uh, hey, you got Justin Fields. You telling me you wouldn't want that guy developing him? 
You could do yeah, worse. It, it, you could you could do worse. Exactly right. Um, and we'll we'll bring Ben in uh, in a second here, but uh, just 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 stick on the the NFC just for a second here. Uh, where are you at in the Cowboys, Rotoram, with them absolutely oh, smoking Washington and just playing good football? I, I people are unwilling to put them on the same level as the Packers and the Bucks. Are you going there? I think they're a half step below. Them. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think they're half step below, them, but I think they're right there defensively. I always believe you win in the playoffs because of three things. Your coach, your quarterback, and your pass rush. That's how you win. And they, their coach scares me. I know he's won a Super Bowl, but McCarthy scares the hell out of me. And I think he scares a lot of the uh, Dallas fans as well. But I got to tell you, like their pass rush with Parsons and Gregory and Lawrence is as good as anybody in the NFL. And that offense can score. So – Let's put it this way. If I were the Packers or the Bucks, I'd rather see the Rams before I rather see the Cowboys. Like and the Rams have their own pass rush, right? With Floyd and with Donald. I'm not and Miller. I'm not knocking that. But I think Dallas is a more complete team. I think I think they're close. Like I look at the NFC and I think the Packers and Bucks are on their own tier. I think Dallas and the Rams are on another tier, but I think Dallas is a hair more dangerous. That's how I see it. It's fair. Uh to me, the uh, to me they're all on the same. I, I would almost go same level. Green Bay, yep. Okay. Uh, to me, to, to total, cra- I I think total crapshoot. Green Bay, Tampa, the Rams, Cowboys. You, my you only can- question to you is, and, and it's a, it's a fair question. Like I, I, you can answer it either way. But can the Rams go into Lambeau Field if it's eight degrees and win the game? The, the reason why I would say yes is because they're winning games right now with Matthew Stafford playing like crap. Like, dude, just turn the ball over, three intercepted. They're winning the football game. So he, they is, don't... he is all about throwing picks at just an ungodly rate lately. I don't know what his deal is. But, yes, they are winning despite of it. So, so that, that would be okay. They don't. He doesn't have to play huge. So maybe they could find a way to do it. Um, okay. Okay. I, I don't, I'm, I, just, to me, it feels wide open. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's bring in our guy, Ben Heisler, fansided.com forward slash betsided, the managing editor, our leader in the gambling space, and also uh, with us courtesy of WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T.com. Ben, we're starting with the Chiefs and the Bengals. I can't wait to see where you're going on this game as we've talked about Kansas City a lot. Of course, Kansas City now, I think, Arguably, best team in football. Why not? Uh, absolutely crushing Pittsburgh last week. And, of course, those Bengals. Joe Burrow, God bless you, 525 yards, four touchdowns, not bad. And the spread on this bad boy, at least when we did the rundown, was a five-point spread. The Chiefs favored on the road with the number at 50 and a half. Has that moved? That number is still 50 and a half. Okay. So, bit surprising, actually. I was having a conversation with uh, Peter Dewey, one of our outstanding editors over at BetSided, about that very game uh, earlier today on Bet and Breakfast, trying to figure out where we're going to go with this game. Because 
from all accounts, Chiefs offense can get back into a rhythm, back into a groove. They've covered in their last six games for starting the year two and seven against the spread. They're now eight and seven. Conversely, you have a Bengals team that has all sorts of firepower, uh, both in their running game with Joe Mixon and also 2,000-yard receivers in Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. And, and Tyler Boyd's no slouch either, and you still have a nice uh, tight end in the middle of the field with C.J. Uzoma. Like there's, from an offensive side of the ball, there's plenty of weapons, and I think you can make a fairly compelling argument that you know, while the Chiefs have been so dominant on defense, the one team that they started to give up some points against was the Chargers in that Thursday night game. The Bengals' offense, I, I think, is on par with that of the Chargers, especially with all the guys that they have available for this week and the fact that it's in their building. So I could see a situation where the Chiefs' defense, for as good and as dominant as they have been over the last month and a half, uh, they turn this game into a shootout and go back and forth. I'm a bit surprised that this number for the total hasn't climbed. And while I think it's the easy decision to go with Kansas City based off the fact that they've covered in their last six games – I, I could see this being a little bit more back and forth than most people anticipate. The lines move towards Kansas City, but I think I'm going to go with the over here of 50 and a half. I'm surprised that it hasn't gotten to 51 or even higher as of yet. I'm going to back that number and expect this game to be a bit of a shootout. I think it's an over. I think it's like 34 to 23. I think Kansas City covers though. Look, they they don't give up yards to receivers, and that that's why I think it's just a weird matchup in a way for Cincinnati. Like the Chiefs. Which since Spagnuolo's been there, they're number one in the in the NFL in allowing the least amount of yards to receivers. They will take them away at least to some extent. They'll limit them. Um, the Chiefs have three good corners. They can match up. The biggest thing in this game is I don't think the Bengals can block the Chiefs. I I, I don't think they can block them up front. Um, I do think they'll score some points. I also think the Chiefs are going to score a lot of points. Everybody's back off the COVID list at least right now. Of course, that seems seemingly changes by the second in the NFL these days. Um, I like the over. I like the Chiefs to cover. I, I think Kansas City will will get the job done. All right, let's go to Indy, where the Colts got uh, let's call it one of their most impressive wins of the year, going out and beating Arizona on the road. And then we've got the fighting for the playoffs Raiders going into Indy, and uh, the Raiders keep alive with a win over the Broncos. Number is forty and a half, and Indy's a six and a half point home favorite. Colts are a sexy Super Bowl pick right now, Ben. They are, and I get the feeling behind them. It it does make me feel a little bit better when we were starting this thing off and I was talking to you guys about how I like the Colts to come out of the AFC South. Um, of course, they started one and four, and I had a whole bunch of egg on my face in the process, but they're a team that have been, you know, really dominant with their running game. They're 14 and one when Jonathan Taylor runs for 80 yards or more. Um the lone loss in that series was to the Patriots. And that was a 38 31 loss. I, I think based off this game, you try to have to figure out whether or not it's going to be a Sam Ellinger game, or if Carson Wentz somehow gets back off the COVID list, the NFL of course changed their rules. So now Wentz, as long as he have, what is it for unvaccinated players, Verderham, it's five days, consecutive days without a negative test. Five, five days for everybody. Five days. So That's it. he's he, eligible to come back Sunday. So if he's eligible and he actually passes that, that's going to make a big difference. This line went all the way down to five after the Carson Wentz news. Uh, Winbet closed it for a while. They reopened it back at minus six and a half. I think if Wentz is in there, this is one of those games I'll have to wait on if I'm going to bet it personally. But if Wentz is in, that, that does make a difference over Ellinger. 
I will take the Colts to cover this number at minus six and a half. I just think the Raiders are finished, even though they're mathematically alive. So I agree with you. What's crazy is if the Raiders went out, they make the playoffs, like regardless of whatever else happens, which is mind blowing considering I figured the Raiders have been done for a month. Um, if Wentz plays, and I'm not a big Wentz guy, but if he plays, they're not, they're not losing this game. I, the Raiders have not beaten anybody worth a damn for how long at this point. Like I, Waller doesn't look like he's going to play. They can't stop anybody defensively. Like, I don't think they're going to lose by 20 points, but I see this game being like 27 to, you know, 17, something like that. I I agree with you. I think the Colts win. I think the number's right about where it should be. Obviously, I just had a 44, so I guess technically I'm in the under. But uh, I think the Raiders lose the game, and I think the Colts cover the spread. The under, just to, to go off that really fact, might be might be the sharper play here because of how lost the Raiders offense has been without Waller. You know, Carr isn't taking shots downfield. He's very pedestrian. Um, the Colts have also done a much better job on the defensive side of the ball. They're generating a lot of pressure. Carr is prone to throwing some bad interceptions over the last month and a half. The more I sort of talk myself into this, I- I'm starting to wonder whether or not the under, regardless of whether Wentz plays or not, might be the safer bet here. Best guest in the history of Stack in the Box, of course, joining us. That's Maisie Verderam in your uh, top left corner. Uh, bye, Maisie. Thank you for joining. Great, great, great performance for Rim. Good, good, good daddying. All right. Rams and Ravens. And uh, we've all seen Lamar Jackson limping around, trying to make his way back to the field. Obviously, the Ravens could use him. And then here come the Rams. Uh, Back in the mix here as the best in the NFC with a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road, 46-and-a-half. Don't count out the fighting Rams here, Ben Heisler, with your Super Bowl dreams. No, I, I like the Rams. I, I think when we were talking about this, I think on Monday's show, we were talking about some of these NFC teams if we had to choose one of them as sort of a dark horse pick. Um, and, and I think the Rams merit consideration purely based on the talent that they have on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, Buccaneers still continue to be a bit of a mess. Dallas cannot play well away from their home stadium. Uh, so the Rams are one of those teams where if they gel at the right time and it starts to appear that they're getting more contributions from just, I, I think the thing about the Rams is that they can beat you in a variety of ways, right? Let's say they go to Dallas during the postseason run. It's a, it's a track meet. They can play and they can win those types of games going up and down the field. If they go to green Bay, they go back to a, a big, heavy dose of the running game with Sony Michelle, who's been really good over his last four games. And they can pound you inside, and they can sack the quarterback. So the Rams have enough talent to be able to make a deep run and possibly be the NFC team to come out of it. But if we're talking about this game, uh, Baltimore needs that desperation play right now. And, and I do think they'll come close. It all depends on, on you know Lamar Jackson's health and availability. We're still not sure as to whether or not – I'm blinking out on their, on their backup's name. Um, who still needs Josh to clear Johnson. Tyler Huntley? Yeah, who still needs to oh, Tyler oh, Huntley? Who still needs to to cover uh, to clear out of concussion or not concussion protocol, but COVID nineteen? He cleared out this afternoon. He's good. He, he okay, so he's officially available, yeah, and, and that good. makes them and that makes them more dangerous, just because that's a quarterback that can move the ball down the field. Uh, they can take advantage of Greg Roman's offense that's been inconsistent this year, but still plays to the strength of a quarterback that has the ability to have athleticism and run. So I, I think this number at plus three and a half is reasonable for Baltimore to hang around. Remember, everybody counted them out 
in the game against Green Bay to cover the spread. And sure enough, they were right in it till the very end. They're a better team at home. They're a more confident team at home. And they're the more desperate team at home. So I like Baltimore to hang around this game, especially if you're getting the hook. I, I like them at plus three and a half. No, I normally try to ride the points a little bit, but I third time around, I'm taking a favorite. I, I don't think Baltimore can stop them from throwing the football. My God, if I had Stafford, throw 50 times. I mean, Burroughs just hung 525 on him and did it with ease. Um, I think Stafford's got four bills on him this week. If the weather's good, they can't stop anybody. I, You know, if Jackson plays, I take the over in the game. Um, hell, if Huntley starts, I might take the over. But I... I think the Rams win. The Rams are just playing really well right now. I think the Ravens are done. You know, maybe maybe they surprise, at least surprise me, and they come out and they, they really get it together. But I can't go there with them. I, I don't like the way they're playing. I love the way the Rams are playing. I think the Rams win this game by 10 points or so. So let's give the Miami Dolphins some love here, baby. Seven wins in a row from the Dolphins. What a recovery. I mean, it's this is – no one's really talking about the Dolphins. And, uh, hey – Seven wins in a row is seven wins in a row. Carm going off on a limb here. And then you got the Titans, who are still favored at home, and Tennessee continues to figure it out, at least somewhat, uh, without Derrick Henry. Three-and-a-half-point favorites and a very low number on this one, 39-and-a-half, Ben. Yeah, I, I'm very much leaning in favor of the under just because it's it's low-hanging fruit. It's a Miami defense that yep. has been very successful in taking the ball away. Still has some issues in stopping the run, but – it just it's two offenses that, that don't want to take any sort of initiative right now. Um, and, and Jalen Waddell, I don't know if you guys realize this. He's he's right about at the verge of, of breaking the all time rookie receptions record, not not receiving yards. That was Justin Jefferson did it a couple of years ago. Jalen Waddell at the end of the season, assuming everything stays on par, is going to have the most amount of receptions ever for a rookie in a season. The problem is that they're using him like the way they used to use Jarvis Landry when he was in Miami. This is someone that has really good speed downfield. It can be sort of a Tyler Lockett type of weapon, but they're using him five yards, slant, throw him the football eight, nine, ten times, uh, eight, nine, ten times a game. There needs to be more explosiveness on this Miami offense. And then I think you'd be talking about a team that I would feel a little bit better about. But it just feels like you're going to have a bunch of empty possessions, a lot of field goals in this game, uh, nothing exciting on the offensive side of the ball from either of them, and that leads me in the direction of the under. I'm going to take Miami to cover. I don't know that they win. I think they're going to cover. This game, to me, screams Tannehill throwing, like, two picks. You know, Howard making a play. Byron Jones making a play. Miami Miami can get a lot of pressure. Miami's got a good defense. Like, I could see this, and I agree, by the way, if I had to go over under, I'd go under. I could see this being a game where, you know, it comes down to the final five minutes and somebody's got to make a stop. I don't know if Tua can win this game for them. And by the way, the, the Tennessee front's very good and Miami can't block anybody. But I, I actually like Miami to cover and maybe win, but certainly to cover. All right, two more here. Packers and dead man walking Minnesota now seven and eight. And congratulations to Aaron Rodgers, who apparently is very happy has had great conversations with Brian Gutenkunst. He's not going to make Packers fans wait a long time to figure out what he's going to do next. And, uh, yeah, he also passed uh, Brett Favre for the most touchdowns, uh, which was another milestone for good old Aaron. Packers are a six-and-a-half-point favorite, which seems a little bit light, perhaps. 47-and-a-half the number here, Ben? 
Yeah, and the line has actually moved in favor of the Minnesota Vikings. This game opened up at seven, since moved down to six and a half. Did you know that since Mike Zimmer started as a head coach in the NFL, he has the fifth best cover percentage as an underdog in the league? Did Mike Zimmer's 34, 21 and 0 against the spread. I don't know what it likely says about him. He's also terrible as a favorite. So if anything, I'd rather have a coach that can win the games that you're supposed to, as opposed to only being able to win or cover games when you're not expected to. But the Vikings just don't make a whole lot of sense to me. And you're already dealing with some issues with Justin Jefferson reports or that he's not particularly happy with that situation. The last thing you want, if you're a Vikings fan is to lose another top tier wide receiver elsewhere. So I know the line is starting to fluctuate a little bit. In fact, it actually just went back to green Bay minus seven, as I'm looking at it at this very moment from six and a half to seven, but guys, doesn't this feel like a trap? To, to me, it does. Green Bay minus seven at home where they've been dominant all season long. Vikings have just not been that team at all this year. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't lose at home. So it's low-hanging fruit. It's right there. It feels like a trap. And I'm going to jump right into that hole and go in with Green Bay minus seven. Just to, I'm not sure where else I can go here other than I have no confidence that Kirk Cousins, Mike Zimmer, and the rest of the Minnesota Vikings are going to keep this one close. 66% of the money. Uh, according to Carm sources, is on Green Bay. So there's that trap. Go ahead. This game, this game screams Minnesota balls it in the last five minutes. I just screams it. I I think the Packers should win this game by 17 points, but they won't because they haven't been blowing teams out lately. And the Vikings, you said you can't figure them out, but nobody can figure them out. They can't figure them out. They are the most erratic team in the league. There is a 100% chance they have a shot to win this with like four minutes left and then just find some way to catastrophically lose it. I I think Minnesota will cover. Over, under, I think the number's about right. I'd probably lean over. You know, I mean, in Green Bay in, in January, it could be ridiculous weather. I haven't looked yet. But if the weather's okay, I could see it being like 30 to 27. Maybe it's a little lower than 27, 24. Um, this game, it just it just begs for Minnesota to find some asinine way to lose. So give me the uh, the cover for the Vikes. Really quickly to that point on Minnesota, they're one of those teams that in every loss this year, it's been a one-possession game. Only time it's been more than seven, you have to go back to um, the San Francisco loss where they lost 34 to 26. So when they are losing, they are losing by single possession. If this line goes anywhere between seven and a half and eight, then I, I might feel compelled to jump on Minnesota here. I, I, I think that's starting to make a little bit more sense, even though it's just screams Green Bay, screams Green Bay in this one. Lastly, a battle of the 11th and 12th place teams in the AFC. Huge disappointment uh, for, well, I think mainly for more so for Cleveland than Pittsburgh, but kind of gross for both of them. Uh, Cleveland's a three-point favorite on the road, and, of course, the number low here at 41. Yeah. This is a situation where I'm all over Pittsburgh and I there, there's too many things pointing in Pittsburgh's direction here from a, a trends and a stats standpoint. Let me give you three. Ben Roethlisberger has never lost to the Cleveland Browns at home. He's 13-0 at Heinz Field past those years. He's, he's never lost to Cleveland at home. Now, again, it's a fairly different Cleveland team, but it's there's there's something to be said about his dominance at home against that team. Number two. 
Kevin Stefanski, one and nine against the spread in his career against the AFC North. That's not going to get it done. Number three, Mike Tomlin as a home underdog as the head coach of the Steelers has gone 14-3-2 against the spread. This year, he's 2-0 straight up as a home dog and 12-7 and straight up lifetime. Tomlin doesn't lose these games as home underdogs against the division, against a team like Cleveland, who's been trying to get itself put out of its misery for what feels like the last month and a half. And now you factor in that it's going to be Big Ben's probably final regular season game at home. Steelers are three-point fa- three underdogs here. Everything is saying to me, take the Steelers. The Steelers are the right play. The Steelers are the right side. I can't go against them here. This is the spot in which they shine. And Cleveland hasn't given me any indication that they're going to rise to the occasion here. Give me Pittsburgh plus three. This is the easiest decision of the week for me. The easiest. The Steelers. Not only to cover to win. Like, what the hell have the Browns done to be minus three in this game? Why? Because they can run the ball and Pittsburgh's not good against the run. That's nice. Have you seen their quarterback? Have you seen when they played him the first time in Cleveland and the Steelers didn't have a kicker and beat him? Like, I- I'm sorry. I- the Browns get so much respect from the odds, man, and I don't understand why. Like, Has anyone else noticed that they stink? Because they stink. They stink. You know, I've seen so many takes. Like, well, you know, they almost beat Green Bay. Yeah, almost. That's a, that's a cute word. You know why they didn't? Because a quarterback was looking for a half dozen picks. That's why. Like, that's a problem and stuff. I don't see like, – oh, by the way, on top of all the stuff Ben said, which I, I, I think is both informative and I agree with, this is probably going to be Roethlisberger's last game in Pittsburgh. You think they might be a little bit motivated for this game? Like, I, I think Pittsburgh wins. Flat out wins. And, I, and everybody who's listening to this podcast all year knows I think Pittsburgh stinks. They are going to win this game. I would be I would be surprised if the Steelers don't come out and find a way to beat Cleveland, which they've done forever, okay, and put Cleveland out of the playoffs. And then you go into week 18, and if the Chiefs beat the Bengals, all of a sudden you've got a wide-open division the last week of the season. My favorite Verderam is angry Verderam with his heart in it, it, part of his anger. And – your heart is in it against the Browns right now, which is just enjoyable. Hey, Ben, you got to go. According to me, you're six minutes late to whatever meeting you had at 1230. So thank you for staying extra for stacking the box, brother. Happy New Year, gentlemen. Talk happy, to you soon. Happy New you Year, too, man. Take care. Ben Heisler, managing editor, bet-sided, fansided.com forward slash bet-sided and win it for all your gambling needs. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. Wait, every time you wake up is the same day? That's terrible. Eh, don't worry, I call Progressive. Their 24-7 protection still works even if my day does last forever. Yeah, but don't you want it to end? Are you kidding? I win the lottery whenever I want and never regret anything. It's the best. Yeah, that's a good point. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Veran, we got a couple of tops to run through here quickly before we get out of here. And everybody, be safe there and enjoy your New Year's. Uh, Veran's got a New Year's for you at the end here. Uh, but just quickly, uh, everyone's got Rodgers as the MVP right now, and that's a very fair take. But you want to give Mahomes some love? I do. Look, I, I think – let's put it this way. If I had a vote, and I don't, and one day, uh, I would 
vote for Rodgers. I think he's the MVP. But I see all these people like, well, Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup, which listen, that's fine. They've had amazing years. I, I, I just, they're the most valuable player in the NFL to me is a quarterback. Just this, unless you just get a year where a guy rushes for 2,300 yards or something, or, you know, th- th- then maybe okay. Um, but I'm one of those people that I think it's pretty much got to be a quarterback unless somebody has an out of body experience. And I think right now, if I had, if I had a ballot, it would be Mahomes too. It would be. And I had Brady a lot of the years by MVP, but I think he's fallen off in recent weeks. That team has not played as well. I know they beat Carolina, but who doesn't? Um, Mahomes has been, and he's just named the AFC Offensive Player of the Month for December. Mahomes has been spectacular. Like, down the stretch, first of all, they won eight in a row. Early on, it was because of their defense. Now it's just because of everything. They're just kicking the crap out of these teams that they're playing on a week-in, week-out basis. Mahomes won the AFC Offensive Player of the Month award and was either benched or just handing the ball off for an entire game's worth of plays because they beat the Raiders and the Steelers so bad that they were just benching him in the second half. They were up 35-0 against the Raiders in the second quarter, and they were up 30-0 early in the third quarter against Pittsburgh. Like, Mahomes has basically not played a full game's worth because they haven't had to. And yet he still put up enough numbers to the AFC Offensive Player of the Month. So if the Packers lose to Minnesota and Kansas City trucks Cincinnati, I would I would vote for Mahomes. I would. Like I I think it's Rodgers to lose, but I also think it's plausible that he loses it. That's yeah. I mean, I, I look, the dude's living down the tunnel with a toe. Tough decisions right now for Green Bay. You obviously want the one seed. I think you have them pushed through. But it, maybe you roll the dice and, and you don't push them to the end of the earth if you think you're doing more damage and it might impact the playoffs. I don't know. That Those are tough calls. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. However, the Chiefs turn around their season because of their defense. So I, I think that hurts them in the MVP voting. Uh, let's, let's, let's hit uh, just quickly here. Sleeper playoff team in each conference for and we've, we've kind of touched around it today. Who are you picking in the NFC? So, look, by nobody, when I talk sleeper, I'm not talking about, like, who do you think could go, you know, I'm, I'm not taking the Eagles, okay? Like, we're talking about teams that have a real shot here that maybe aren't getting enough shine. <clears throat> we did talk about it. I think Dallas, Dallas is really good. Like, this idea that, oh, they're just kind of there, I don't think so. Like, I'd be kind of surprised if the Rams went at the Lambeau and won. I would be. I would not be surprised at all if Dallas went into Green Bay or Tampa Bay and won. Like they're they're good enough to do it. Um, I do feel that way. And in the AFC, everybody just got off of Buffalo because Buffalo went through a bad stretch in the middle of the year. And I can honestly say, I've got the receipts on Twitter and I'm here to prove it. I've said the whole year I think Buffalo is really good. I think Buffalo is going to win that division even after they lost to New England. And here they are. They're going to win that division. Look, I don't think they're Kansas City. I do think they're the next best team in the AFC. I do. I think Buffalo is really good. I think Tennessee is a lot better than people think as well. Um, and if Buffalo plays with Tennessee in a playoff game, I don't know which way I'm going on that one. But I do think Buffalo is a lot better than people think they are. I like a lot of teams in the AFC. It's just I – mean, because, you know, everyone's got Kansas City and rightfully so. But, like, Bengals, Bills, Colts, I'll, I'll take New England out of it. But even, like, to me uh, – Hey Baltimore, can you get in and and get Lamar healthy? Like like 
I, I think the AFC playoffs are just I, – I think the playoffs, period, are going to just be phenomenal this year, as, as always. Um, and then NFC-wise, uh, I, I, lo- I love the Dallas call, but, like, I, you know, we, we're, we've touched on the Rams. I think they're very capable. It's hard to say they're a sleeper at 11 and 4. Uh, but uh, also, like, everyone's just, like, completely forgotten about the Cardinals and, and have, have written them off. Like, I'm – it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Kyler Murray plays out of his mind in the playoffs and Arizona makes a run here. So we'll, we'll see. I, I, it's it's going to be a great playoff. Uh, all right, one more before we get Vernon Ramp's uh, excitement at the end of the show here. The uh, Let's just talk Bears, Jags, and Raiders. Uh, Raiders, thank you. Most appealing coaching job. Uh, I think you're going Chicago. Um, so go ahead. Tell me why, because I would not pick the Bears. I am. Here's why. Jacksonville is a disaster of a franchise. Like I, I get it. You've got Lawrence, but they they've got Trent Balky there, who I don't think anybody's overly excited to pair with. Um, Shad Khan will spend money. I give him that. Other than one ridiculous year where they went to the AFC title game out of nowhere, they have been god awful for the last decade. Like god awful, and they play in a place where look. The Jaguars, to their credit, like their fans are very passionate, but they really struggle to sell out. They struggle to generate a lot of interest. I, I, I would say, I would say the Bears are a better job there because I also really like Fields. The Raiders, I think, what, what, what are we looking at with the Raiders? What are we looking at with the Raiders? We're looking at a team that has stunk for twenty years. I don't think Carr is going to get you to a Super Bowl, and the defense stinks. Like I, to me, of the three jobs, I think the Raiders are the most unappealing. Maybe my I'm just too bears into it for me to say it because it's like uh, my argument with Jacksonville: you you get Trevor Lawrence, you get zero pressure, and you get a very supportive owner who lets guys like Gus Bradley coach the team for four years. You do anything in Jacksonville, you're uh, you're you're a godsend, right? Uh, yeah, but to who? However, it's. To Wait, who? You're okay. You, you mentioned the, earlier. For, for Matt Nagy is walking off the field, and they are f bombing him to the end of the moon, and his kids playing at at freaking high school, and they're they're saying fire Nagy. You want to step into that? I yes. Mean, you're and who? who you, okay, who's run the show in Chicago? Like, hey, hey, George McCaskey, do you right. have any idea what you're doing? Because no, that's the, fair. You know, like so. But does anyone in Jacksonville or, or Vegas? So right, that's that's the thing. But like, you're you're talking about three separate situations. Listen, you know, Chicago is is is. If you win in Chicago, you're the you're king God. of the world. You're the king you're of the God. world. Yep. Look at Ditka. I mean, how many years? It's been 36 years since they won a Super Bowl with him. And let's be real too. Other than the Super Bowl win, like he had a good coaching tenure, but it wasn't like they went to three Super Bowls. And I, he's he's <laughs> God in Chicago. First four seasons as a coach, by the way, Ditka, 37 wins. First four seasons for Nagy, 33 wins. Let me give you another thing on Matt Nagy real quick. If you flipped, I'm not saying that he should remain the coach, but if you flipped this year, okay, they're, now they're 5 and 10, however many, 5 and 12, 6, they'll probably win, split the last two, let's say, 6-win team. 6-win team, then you go and you win – you go 500, say you you miss the playoffs. Then you go 500, right. make the playoffs, and then and then you go 12 and four. What are they saying about the guy? He ain't going right. anywhere. 
I mean, no, look, I get it. But my point is, I, I just think if you win in Chicago, and by the way, I would take the Bears, then the Jags, and the Raiders. What do the Raiders have to offer you? I mean, Vegas, you all live in Vegas. All right, cool. What else is there? I mean, Carr, Carr's a good quarterback, but I don't know that you're ever winning a Super Bowl with him. And the cover is pretty damn bare other than that, man. Like, that team, I love Waller and Crosby, but, like, all right, so what? I mean, I, I think, if, you know, you're taking a young quarterback. And the one thing I, I will say for Chicago, first of all, it's a great city to live in, okay? Second of all, if you win with that team, you're God. Like, you are – look, I've, I've lived in and around Chicago long enough to know, like, they love their Cubs, love the Bulls. The Bears are a whole nother – that team, when they were good – and I've only lived there one year when they were good. It was insane. Like, I, that team matters so much in Chicago – I would just if if I was a head coaching candidate, I had my pick. I'd go to the Bears, so I think I can win with Fields, and I get my pick of of or I get my pick of the litter with the cities. It's not even close. I also want to know who the GM is. Like if I'm the Bears, Pace has to be out. I'll tell you right now, I'd call the Lions up and ask if I could talk to John Dorsey, because nobody has drafted like John Dorsey over the last ten years. That guy drafts very amiably. I bring a capologist with him, but John Dorsey knows talent. He's been in the NFC North forever. He played for the Packers. He scouted for the Packers forever. I think he'd be a home run of a hire. Who, who if Dorsey, if they did that, who do you think Dorsey would hire to coach the team? Somebody hard nosed. I think Eric Bianami would be coming on in. Yeah, be interesting. Uh, I, I love that plan. All right, there you go, Bears fans. Ferdinand just laid it out for you. Go call Detroit. Get John Dorsey down here. Find yourself a zillion freaking guys to go with Justin Fields and bring in the right head coach, and there you go. All of a sudden, bang, Aaron Rodgers is returning gone eventually, and you win the Super Bowl. All right, Verram, what's up here? Let, let, what's going on here as we wrap up the wrap up 2021, my yeah, friend? Yeah, no, let's wrap it up. First of all, Happy New Year, everybody. Second of all, this is my favorite time of year when it comes to football, man. I love all the playoff scenario stuff. It's awesome. It's fun. I love the last week of the year when you have all these teams that are trying to get in and things are dependent on other games and you're watching the scoreboard. I love that, man. I really loved it when I was a kid and you couldn't find out all the scores every second of every day and you'd be watching. And, you know, a lot of times as Chief fan, I'd be watching NBC and you'd hear like that do-do-do and, you know, the, the, the score bug would come up on the bottom and you'd be looking and you'd, like, you'd either go crazy or you'd be like, ah, you know. That, that to me, so much fun, but I still love doing it now. And then you get the playoffs. And what better time of the year is there than that? So looking forward to all that, eventually going to the Senior Bowl and the Super Bowl and the Combine, all that, all that good stuff. But this is the best time of year for a football fan. Fingers crossed on that Super Bowl. As uh, fans said, it's supposed to go out there. We need I, this the COVID situation to calm down, I think, ideally. Uh, for everybody, not just for us going to the Super Bowl. A lot of things more important than our trip. But anyway, my fingers are crossed that we get to go this year. So... Uh, yeah, happy New Year to Maisie, to you, and I'll just give you my New Year's resolution, Vertoram. Uh, and I actually, maybe we should have a ceremony on Stack in the Box because I bet a lot of people can relate to this, even your, you, even you. I want to get uh, Phil Jackson Zen-like coffee cup, like when they had in the in the Last Dance, and I want to burn procrastination. I want it to be taken out of the of the ether anything in the past where i avoided conversations work workouts uh anything that would have made me a better calm 
I want to, I just want to take that procrastination thing. And in 2022, we're leaning right in to the best year ever for stacking the box and everything else. That's my plan. Procrastination ceremony. Be your best self. Let's go. Good for you, Carm. Good for you. I think that's a, that's a great, uh, that's a great goal. Thank you. Thank you. I've been uh, sitting around. That's what I've come up with. So, hey, cheers to you, buddy, with my misto here. One of the best values on the Starbucks 50-point, uh, uh, if you're using your points thing. So I've, I've, done the, I've done the research there. And, yeah, enjoy the second to last week of football in the regular season. And uh, we'll see you in 2022, brother. Sounds good. And Gonzo, what does 2022 hold? Second box, the same stuff, man. We'll add, some, we'll add plenty of stuff as well, but at least all this and plenty more. Gonzo, you think about that for what you want next week, and we'll lean into we'll lean straight at you because you're the man, Gonzo. We appreciate you and and Matthew S and everybody else who chimed in today. Thank you uh, for the comments, Eddie E. See you as well. Thanks so much, and uh, Michael Zach. Appreciate you being here on the day before the New Year's. And yes, uh, thanks for watching. Hit that like on the old subscribe scenario so you can know when we're on Tuesdays at eleven generally. But uh, we had a nooner today, so we'll see you next. We'll see you in 2022. Enjoy your weekend, and thanks for watching. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.